0: The Red 78 Once we were back, we were back for a period of time. That was when the televisions were wearing black and white Quinn. Yeah, what that's right, Chad, yeah, big buttons are
1: Available every Wednesday.
2: Don't miss a moment of action. Subscribe to the rugby channel on the OTB Sports app and turn on your notifications now. Wednesday Night Rugby on Off The Ball. With Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us. Now then, you're very welcome along, so Wednesday Night Rugby. Very happy to say Rory O'Connor of the Irish Independent here in studio. You're very welcome, thank you. Thanks, Joe. And sure. Mr. Keith Wood is with us, presumably from Killaloo. Hello. Hi, Joe. Great to have you with us. So, a few things going on. The weekend that was had wins for Leinster against Ulster. Munster beat Zebra Parmay and Connacht, as we know, lost in Pretoria. And I suppose all eyes on Galway this Friday, 4G pitch, Connacht. Against Munster, what Rory O'Connor has termed the desperation derby, and it's actually caught on a little bit. So, I'm not sure the two teams love your marketing ploy, but there's uh, something in it. It's caught on. we oh, we got to sell it somehow, don't we? So
0: <laughs> it's the ORC, and early, it's still uh, still early October. So uh, yeah, like I'm gonna stick uh, with it. Desperation points to hotly contested, I suppose. Well, it's it's, it's you know, I think Bernard Jackman was talking about it being, you know if there was relegation in the league, it would be a relegation six-pointer. Um, I don't think it's quite that bad, certainly from Munster's point of view. But where it does get tricky for both teams is if they want to be in the Champions Cup next year, they've got to start winning games. And because meritocracy is no longer applied in the URC, top eight position does not... Guarantee you European Champions Cup places, as Glasgow found out to their cost last year. Because you're guaranteed one team from Wales, one team from Ireland, one team from South Africa, and one team from either Scotland or Italy. You have to start picking up points early. Fifty-six was what got Munster into Europe last year. They were the last, they were the lowest-ranked team who didn't uh, top their conference. Essentially, so while it's early season, they've got six of a top uh, of a possible fifteen, and they need to start winning very, very soon. So that's why I moved into that territory. While also, you know, it's it's, uh, just a good
2: headline. (laughs) Well, to more sobering news, first of all, so numerous front pages, not just sports pages, but front pages of newspapers, I think, including your own, Rory, uh, led with this study from Scotland, which is deeply alarming, deeply concerning, deeply upsetting for all concerned with the game. Uh, Rugby players... 15, 15 times more likely to develop motor neuron disease versus the general population. So this was published yesterday in the Journal of Neurology, Neurosurgery and Psychiatry. In effect, the study compared 412 male former Scottish internationals against 1,200 people in the general populace and it was conducted by Willie Stewart of uh, University of Glasgow's man synonymous with this kind of work over the last number of years and so again the headline the frightening headline for anybody involved in rugby uh, these former Scottish internationals 15 times more likely to develop motor neuron disease versus the general population they're also by the way two and a half times more likely of neurodegenerative disease generally than the um, general population but that's obviously a good deal short of the 15 times when it comes to MND so Willie Stewart doing interviews all over the media across the day. I was listening to him, for instance, on TalkSport, a station not prone to covering rugby union all that often. And he has said the numbers are, quote, a big surprise. And what was said in the publication is this is further insight into the association between contact sports and neurodegenerative disease risk of particular concern, the data on motor neuron disease. And uh, really, they say this finding requires immediate research attention. So they're sending the klaxon and saying we need to get into this and find out what the hell is going on ASAP, more research ASAP. So Willie Stewart in interview said, I'm genuinely concerned about what's happening in the modern game, and if in 20 years time we repeat this study, that we would see something more concerning. Uh, Keith, not the first time this issue has arisen in uh, rugby, but I mean, those figures are utterly frightening for anybody concerned with the game
1: yeah they're pretty terrifying and it's it's a reasonable size study it isn't it isn't a tiny study um and the line that comes out of it that there needs to be more study on on it straight away is something that sticks out an awful lot i mean the the headline number is terrifying um and the idea of uh, of this being, you know, not taken fully seriously would be would be would be truly terrible for the sport. So, um, like whatever has to be done to to gather more information for that has to be done and has to be done very very quickly. Um, I had by coincidence I was with Jodie Weir um, for the weekend in Scotland and. And as you know, Dolly was, was diagnosed with motor neuron five years ago, and um, uh, he truly is a force of nature, it's, but it's incredibly debilitating. Um, what he has managed to do in terms of highlighting the, the, the issues uh, are pretty stark, and he has managed to fundraise a colossal amount of money with it, and his, his drive, um, his mental fortitude is still absolutely there, but it's it's tough. It's very, very tough. Um, I remember when we were doing a, a fundraiser at one stage a, a couple of years ago in, in Dublin. Um, I had a conversation with um, with one of the researchers, one of the motor neuron uh, disease researchers, and um, and she had said that um, high energy activity had a correlation to higher numbers of motor neuron disease. And so, the more studies that come out from this, the the I'm going to say the better, but we need to get to the to the root cause of them because we don't want to have this. It's it's such a debilita- debilitating um, disease. We don't want to have any more of this. Of that number, fifteen times seems um, ludicrously large. So it's it's pretty terrifying.
0: Yeah, it's hard to disagree with that. And it, I, what it does is it adds to what we already know about brain injury in rugby, and you know the CTE issue, which we've discussed in, in here before. And Willie Stewart, who I've interviewed, is is a very impressive man. He comes at this, you know, from a scientific point of view. He, he he played amateur rugby. He he you know he he had a passion for the game. I think he's he's been quite disenfranchised by it in the last decade, he, and, and is, is unafraid to speak his mind when it comes to it. But he's also been backed up by his own research, and he's done great work in football as well in terms of heading the ball. and And it's, it's him that was behind that big study a couple of years ago, but same group of researchers, and. He is sounding the alarm bells for the current game, and we we will talk about two things I think the current game and medical science is making advances, and we're seeing players being stood down, you know, for you know out of concern for for their well well-being like Alex at Alex in and Munster this week. Caelan Doris is currently being stood down, and that's something that w- wasn't happening when these players that were part of this study were were playing. We're seeing you know recognize or remove, we're seeing HIAs. The processes that are there are far, far greater, are far better and more stringent than what was there before, which was the wild west, really, because people weren't thinking about this. It was having your bell rung, as we talked about that before. Culturally, and, sorry, and also the rules, the the laws of the game are now set up to try and stamp this out. Even if the players aren't adapting to it as quickly as we'd like, we're seeing a lot more red cards than we ever had before, and that is all moving in the in the way in in the direction of trying to. I'm sorry, contact training in, is, is being reduced on a massive rate basis and Peter O'Reilly had that piece that he talked about in the pay-per-view on Sunday where he spent time at Leinster training and they spent 15 minutes, I think it was, yeah. between their entire week sessions doing contact and it's not it's not even full contact really. All of that is happening and the game is trying to make strides and fighting against it and Willie Stewart is saying that it's not enough because the players are faster, the players are stronger and there's too many matches. And they're playing, you know, some of these players that were involved in the study weren't playing very frequently at all. They played a couple of matches a year. You know, it wasn't the same game. It wasn't played at the same intensity. We may speak later about the fact that the game is too slow, it's too stop-start, that it needs to be faster. Well, you've got these incredibly strong athletes running into each other all the time over the course of, you know, how many rooks is there per game? It's, you know, 100, 100, 200 rucks rooks in a game. Um, malls, scrums, all of those things and it's leading to these impacts over and over again, these concussive, concussive impacts which we see when they're um, they're high profile, they're withdrawn but also sub-concussive impacts at a micro level that are building up over time and it's that race that's going on and what Willie Stewart is calling for is quite simple remove contact from training and reduce the number of games and I think Keith will be in, has spoken about how he thinks there should be fewer games, I, I, I hope I'm not misquoting him on that, you, you would increase the quality in that, in, in that way But the economics of the game pull against that and we're seeing Worcester go to the wall this week. We're seeing Wasps in in trouble in in England and they would say we need more games because we need more bums on seats on a weekly basis. The broadcasters want games. They want something every week to fill their schedule from Friday evening until Sunday night. Everything's pulling in different directions and the players are getting lost in it. I think within Ireland, the, uh, the number of games that are played is so tightly controlled by the RFU. That's a good thing. We've seen examples... In, in the provinces of players Marky Moore was stood down at the end of last season Caelan Doris Johnny Sexton James Ryan at Leinster and now Kendallan at the moment at Munster have, have all been stood down at a time where they're needed you know Kendallan would have started last weekend sorry he'd been Emerging Ireland on the Emerging Ireland tour so that's good to see yeah. and the things that Leinster are doing that you'd imagine are being replicated they're good to see as well but it's just whether the game as a whole as a global thing is, is able to pull together it's not able to pull together
2: on the other front so how are we all going to pull together on this front Willie Stewart you uh, was uh, speaking at length uh, over the last 24 hours you've echoed some of the points he's made so contact training during the week should be viewed as a thing of the past is what he said and that Peter O'Reilly week with Leinster behind the scenes was very encouraging on that front 15 minutes is done a week, sometimes not even and not in a concurrent 15 minute spell. It might be five minutes one day and ten minutes another day. And Lancaster was absolutely emphatic in saying we're virtually never at level three. We're at level two, which is non-contact, and that's all we need to do. So if that's replicated everywhere, and I don't know if it is or isn't, I don't know what's happening in premiership training or the other provinces, but let's assume that's implementable in a relative short period of time. Box that off is done. What Stuart is also saying, Keith, and Rory mentioned this, is the number of games. So he says instead of talking about extending seasons and introducing new competitions and global seasons, they should be talking about restricting it as much as possible, cutting back on the amount of rugby we are seeing, getting rid of as much training as possible. Look at the number of matches being played and ask, is this credible that young men and women can be playing week in, week out for the majority of the year just for entertainment? I know it's tough to think about there being less rugby rather than more
1: I look it makes it it makes an incredibly awkward conversation a very very difficult conversation I mean I'm um you know you, you quoted me correctly uh Rory I I was trying to say that um there's a constant push to try and make the game bigger as in more matches more leagues go into other places um Rugby is, it's a big sport, but it's nothing like football. And um, I think we continually kind of manoeuvre along the lines as if the economics that are involved with football will somehow relate to the economics in rugby. And whereas the only place that that seems to fit at all seems to be in France, maybe Japan, even within England, uh, there was a, a report during the week just on the pure economics of it, of how much in a hole all the clubs were. Now, the reason that they're not all struggling is because they've been funded by somebody who's been willing to pay um, to pay the amount, the shortfall every year. So the turnover of these as businesses needs to be an awful lot better um, or the players' salaries have to be cut very significantly. And in some respects, the salaries would have to be cut as a business. But, you know, you, I don't know that you want to say to, to guys that for what you're putting your body through, you should be paid less, you know? So it's one of those very un- kind of uncomfortable type of, of conversation. Mm. But for me, the game is just extended too long in the year. Um, there isn't a, a definable off season, really, because actually there's tours in all the off seasons, so pretty much you end up with six weeks. But the amount of recovery level is is... Um, is not quite there it isn't as defined as you'd like it to be because it never really um, had a coordinated uh, approach towards what professional rugby would be once the game went open in 96 so if it had been all tied into um, to the unions then it might have been looked at very differently but now there is different people own different rights and because of that, they have put a lot of money in towards it. So they're looking from it, from that perspective. Um, but for me, for the enjoyment of playing, and I'm long since playing, I'm nearly 20 years retired. So that idea of wanting to play every week, of course, we wanted to play every week, but you do want to have an end of a season. So if there's any way of tidying it up, it may come down to the idea that uh, health and safety grounds may be the forcing mechanism for mm. a restructuring of the game but like it's just it's just disturbing to 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 um to to read those reports and look all those reports need to be fully uh, verified they need to be brought up and they need more research to go on on the back of it the headline figure on all of them is terrifying so um, when you're then looking at and we've talked about ex- existential issues with the game and most of them have been financial, well, these are health ones. And, you know, it's, it's yes, it's entertainment. Yes, it's a job. Um, yes, this fits the bill for in different elements. And we've discussed NFL in the past as to whether we go down that model of 17, 16, 17 matches regular season. And. Um, the game isn't viable financially at the moment and this is just going back to the finances it's not so how it's structured requires huge a large number of people to put huge amounts of money in to bolster clubs in the uk um we manage it in ireland by the irfu bolstering the provinces um it's one big pot the provinces actually own the irfu so it all kind of fits in a, in a strange fashion but it does work within ireland doesn't work in an awful lot of other com- countries so um I don't like I don't know it's it's one of those things where you're sitting down and saying god this is a, a horrible moment in time and um, for anybody that's afflicted by any of the impacts of the game um and then you have a sport and entertainment business that is on the edge and has been on the edge for for a little while now
2: Steve Thompson who uh, needs no introduction on a chat like this. He has a documentary airing this evening on BBC Prime Time. It will have millions of viewers and Keith Wood talked there about the the terrifying headlines. These are mainstream headlines. So rugby faces existential threats financially and with health and safety in mind. It will face a very immediate and potentially very sudden existential threat in the area of participation because as Keith says, You need deeper research and that will take time. But in the short term, mums and dads all over Ireland, all over the UK will say no smoke without fire, no chance, just no chance. And Bernard Jackman was on the paper review recently and he was talking about, you know, uh, less elite levels being less dangerous. And and, and absolutely, I, I would take his perspective on that. But he did also describe it at underage level or different levels that he's coaching at now, increasingly, there are the group partaking in full contact training and, and uh, training as would have happened over the previous decades. And increasingly, there is a, a group to the side who are non-contact. Now, that group's going to get bigger. And again, it's like a three pronged financial health and safety and then participation. Now, this is really existential and this can happen so quickly, like 15 years, tap can be turned off here.
0: Absolutely and I think that's where the tipping points may come in terms of the unions waking up to the fact that they have to change because they can talk about change and they can, you know, like, like I understand you need as much information as possible to make these decisions but these are real time issues and while the most important um, part of this is that people involves health, there is a perception battle as well and a PR battle and that PR battle um, I mean the, the information that's been put out there and it's you know, it's it's coming from good sources and it's it's real. And Steve Thompson's testimony and, and the testimony of, of of the players who've spoken to David Walsh in the Sunday Times, like Ryan Jones, and the the parents of Siobhan Catekin, like one of the most harrowing, brilliant pieces of journalism, but also harrowing pieces of journalism I've ever read. Um, that all feeds into the decision as to what I'm going to send my child to do on a Saturday or Sunday or whether I'm going to allow them go to rugby training after school. And that's where the next generation will come from. And and I'm anecdotally aware, in, in the WhatsApp groups of my friends, and I've got a two-year-old. My friends would all have kids of a different, you know, of between you know two and ten. Some of them have their kids playing rugby. Some of them wouldn't let them be be seen dead. And it's something that myself and my wife will will have to discuss before. We go there, and I have to listen to what she thinks, and and I have things. I have reservations. I also see the benefits. I know what it did for me. I played amateur, not very, amateur rugby, not very well for twenty years, and it was a very important part of my life. It's given me my job, and I love the sport. Mm. But I see the, the 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 drawbacks as well, and and I think there's already a participation crisis at um, amateur level below kind of your professional game. I think the number of teams that compete at each club is is compressing all the time. The RFU have brought in a kind of a, a touch. Scheme to try and keep people just playing some form of the game in, in England because after Covid in particular, a lot of lads who have just been getting injured playing rugby, whether it's their head or their shoulders, and you know, I've been missing work. I've just said, I'm not, this is yeah. not what I want to spend my weekend doing. But it's when, because minis rugby has been what's keeping clubs uh, going, and you know, in terms of like the numbers, if you go to any, you know, if you go to Belvo, Lansdowne on a Saturday in Dublin, it's the hundreds of kids on the pitch that are. Kind of keeping the place thriving, if if you know that's and that's where the game has started. They see Johnny Sexton playing a Saturday, they want to play it themselves. Um, yeah, that is where I think the tipping point will come. If those numbers start to dwindle, if the schools are st- struggling to field teams, then they'll have to change because there won't be any future for the game. We're not at that point yet. People still seem to want yeah. to let their kids play, but I do think a lot of people are, are asking the question and wondering whether it's they'd be better off sending them down to the GA club or the soccer club.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, Keith, last one on this before we move on to matters more on the field. I mean, people I'm sure will be aware that yeah, rugby is, you know, part of your family's life and, and you'd be very involved in the community. Do you hear concerns from parents or has it, has it filtered down to that level?
1: Um, I think everybody's discussing it. I I don't know. Look, I do think the numbers are dropping off um, at at different degrees. And and a lot of that did come after COVID. Um, And a lot of the, it's it's funny or not funny, but it's a a lot of people who weren't able to train or play a huge amount during COVID, a lot picked up injuries soon after coming back. And we're not talking the injuries that we've been discussing earlier. So, um, I, I do think um, a lot of participation sport has taken a bit of time to come back. Some of the more recreational stuff has come back easier, you know, um, and sooner. But whether that impact will um, will have as big um, a headline number as, 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 as we're discussing here, I don't know yet because um, it does take a period of time for all oh, these reports to be, to be, um, fully scrutinised, um, but it also takes a response from World Rugby and um, from the IRFU. And um, because we are getting a lot of uh, of reports that are coming out and the reactions sometimes seem a little bit defensive and you can understand why, but also there needs to be far more conversation, far more publicly from um, from World Rugby on this. And I do think ENAF Falvey came out and spoke this week and, um, but it needs to be more front and centre. And I know that they're talking about it seriously all the time. Of course they are. Um, but uh, every time they seem to have dealt with one part of the problem, to some degree, something else comes out. So it is, it's 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 tough for sport at the moment. It's tough for rugby at the moment. Um, but in this instance, either changes have to be made or... Um, some level of mitigation has to be put in. I, I don't know what it is. And, like, it's 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 hard to watch. It's hard to read when any of these things come in on the newspaper at the present moment in time.
0: Mm. I guess, sorry, I know you're looking to move on, but, like, informed consent is there now. I think anyone who's playing the game professionally now is doing so fully in the knowledge of of what the stakes are. And, and they there is information about everything now. I think in a previous generation, players could definitely... Um, Claim and you know, probably rightly so, that the information wasn't there and the yeah. coaches weren't aware of it. But I think, like, you know, you have a generation now who have full information
2: available to them and they can't say that they didn't know that the risks were there. Mm. It's true, it's um, and, and it may end up just in that sphere of informed consent amongst adults. I mean, boxing will still be around in a hundred years and uh, the dangers are very well known. To uh, segue into the sport itself, and again, it's hard, it's weird to go from that conversation and talk about, you know, uh, stamping physicality on uh, the opponent. But that's kind of, that's the nature of the sport. Uh, one of the talking points this key- week, Keith, and it's, it's kind of blossomed, and we talked about it on uh, Monday with Jerry and Liam, the um, a length of time a match is taking. <laughs> is just out of control at the moment. So uh, Munster against Parma, is every Parma at the weekend, uh, 57 minutes to watch that first half and emerging Ireland are playing as we speak. And uh, it seems the first 33 minutes of rugby has taken 50 minutes. So this is just internal. And Australia, there's, there's a trial there with Queensland's Reds have, of different efforts to try and speed up the game around the set piece and things like three phases for advantage. And you know, you have X number of seconds to do kicks or line outs or throws. Um, So hopefully that has some impact. It's just a two-match trial. But regardless, uh, TMO is certainly playing its part. I mean, (laughs) bad enough trying to get people to play it. Uh, Getting people to watch some of this is going to take... uh, I I just don't have the patience anymore for these 50 to 60-minute halves of rugby.
1: No, I think it's very hard to watch, actually. and An awful lot of them are just... Look, the TMO, for... Is it a try? Is it not a try? If you're able to make a snap decision on it, you if you have to look for 25 minutes to find one, I don't think that that's right. I think the questioning has to be changed. I think you should not be going back to see is there a potential knock-on five phases beforehand. You have to trust the referee to say, yeah, I saw it. I didn't see it. Yeah, it's fine. No, it's okay. It should be acts of foul play and the scoring of a try. And it should be uh, make the call for... You have two touch judges and you have a referee. If you think the ball has gone forward, you call it forward. If you think it's gone back, you leave it. You don't say anything at all. I don't think we can go through this making certain that everything is absolutely perfect. You know, excellent is good enough. Um, Perfection, I think, is where we're losing all our time on it. Um, Look, I'm still very keen on the fact of trying to have Fewer subs and fewer changes to the to the to the team all the time. I think if you're if you get I know that could lead to other injuries and all these things have unintended consequences, but if you um if you get tired as the match is going on, there's more gaps on the field. At the moment, with the the game being played at the stop start nature it is now, you can be an awful lot bigger and last longer on the field mm. and but i'd rather have players lasting for 80 minutes if it p- possible but i don't know how that can be reversed i actually don't see it
2: oh do you know okay uh andy friend was bemoaning the fact that there was just 30 minutes ball and play time in the most recent game for conic so even like from a coaching perspective it's frustrating if you're trying to play a certain brand of rugby uh, not to mention the viewer experience absolutely i mean think of the thing well
0: this queensland law trial has a couple of very good things in it scrum setup there's no reason why the lads need to hug each other. You know, make sh- you know get your bind right and get into it. Like it, it, the old scrums were just. I know there's a there's a health and safety element, but we don't need to have to watch them all stand around for that long before they hit. And, and, and engage so that's one way you could put a clock on it. Just, just getting just getting a breather. That's what they're doing. Of course they are, and they're slowing the game. Out. Like the this is one of the things that a La Rochelle or a, the Bulls will do against a high paced team like Leinster is take this thing out of the game. We see it in football, but the uh, we see players faking concussions in football all the time. We see you know they're, time wasting is an art in in all sports. Yeah. Um, the length of time a lineup a lineup is, is is set up that that could be speeded up. You put a clock on that. The length of time it takes to take a conversion that could be speeded up if we could. Take less time at the TMOs. That would be great as well. One of the things that's happened, I think, is you know, I think the 2019 Lions tour is a big part to play in this. Both with Razi Rasmus's water, Razi Rasmus coming onto the pitch as a water carrier has now led to us having a a water break, which nobody wanted, and it's just appeared this season and everyone like I was sitting in the RDS on a Friday night and they stopped for a water break. And I was like, what? This is ridiculous. And it, it it's it's been brought in to limit the incursions onto the pitch by. Kind of different members of staff, but it's 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 you know it's a really poor response to it. I mean, there's got to be a better way. Um, But also the fact that every decision is relitigated both by the coaches. Afterwards, and big files sent to World Rugby or whoever the governing body is to complain about the refs, but also on social media where people just clip it up, say, you know, look, this disgrace, and you know, and now they have to go out with almost a legal argument as to why I'm sending you off, and this clear and obvious explanation that takes about ten minutes to achieve, so they have to run through it with the TMO, they have to run through it with the player, and. I just think it's too laborious at this stage Keith's right there's too many like, you know, you've got to be a couple of replays and gone how much of this could be done by the TMO while the ref is still refing the game or we're getting on with it I think is, is something that could be achieved we have a problem in the URC that the stadia are a lot, some of the stadia are not up to the spec of what we have at international games so the screen is in a corner far corner so the referee has to trot or walk the length of the pitch to be able to watch the replay there are lots of things the sport could do to speed itself up and it doesn't help itself at times and it would make it more entertaining without in, in any way impacting the kind of the essentials of, of the integrity the of the contest. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So,
2: yeah, um, yeah I'll get rid of the water breaks for, for, first off anyway. Okay. So Galway, 4G pitch, Connacht against Munster. Keith, you were last time with me and you told me not to read so much into these early season games. They're only early season games and, and let's let this thing settle down. So another uh, two games since then, Munster uh, eventually do win, but they score their third try in the 25th minute and then can't muster a bonus point try over the subsequent 45 minutes.
1: Uh, I'm sorry you brought up that quote of mine.
2: (laughs) Are you now now more inclined to think uh, this is is more than just a a, a bit of rust? Uh, What's going on here ahead of this trip to Galway?
1: Yeah, look, I think, I, I actually think it is a bit of rust. I also think it is a bit of trying to change and that's taking much longer than they they would have thought. Um, I think if you'd looked and spoken to Munster, they would have had um, a very high level of confidence that they'd win the first two games, um, first three games, um, hopefully then go to Connacht to win the fourth game. And then they know that they've got really hard matches ahead and that they would um that at least have got off to a flyer and they haven't got off to a flyer so um and the problem is that they keep thinking of the next game that's going to be around the corner that's going to be a tough one um Leinster and Bulls and all those matches that are coming in that are going to be very tough for them so look they got the win from from a really low level of confidence you know from from two lacklustre performances to then getting um getting the win but not doing it with the the manner in which they'd like to it's a stepping stone for them it's now gets to the point and like conics are having the exact same um issue uh, Now they've had a harder run and they've had more travel but um they get the chance to play on their new pitch uh, christen their new pitch try and get a victory that they badly need as well like it isn't about monster it's about all the teams that are playing and so, like, I think it's a, it's a really big game for both teams to try and get a victory out at the end of it. And um, I don't know that it means it's the end of the season. Um, it really isn't. But it does put additional pressure. And when we keep talking about games and the pressure that you're under and momentum, but well, the lack of momentum is pretty tough. Um, I can tell you, I had a year with Harlequins, I think we came third bottom. One, one of the seasons and it was about a long year as you could ever put down mm. you were just under pressure every week emotionally every week um, trying to build up different players to get to different places trying to uncomplicate the game so that we can function then you know everything was under uh, tight scrutiny and this is 20 years later the game is under far more scrutiny now than it was then so like the pressure is palpable all the time Um Look, I think Munster need to need to be able to click properly. And uh, I did think Peter O'Mahony's performance at the weekend um, got a, a decent response, mm. but it needs more players to actually stand up to that.
2: In a way, Rory, like the um, lack of outcry almost after not being able to score four tries at home to Zebre on a perfect pitch in perfect match conditions almost just speaks of the extent to which Munster have fallen in the eyes of most people. This would be... As recently as two years ago, a massive "What the hell's going on here?" Even if they had won the opening two games, no. I think there is a. There's been a, quite a lot of criticism, and pro- that everyone the- I've heard is saying just a bit of transition. Well, I th- does it does not speak of the fact that actually there is a fundamental issue of quality in that province. Now, if we're being brutally <laughs> honest. There.
0: Well, I think sorry, it's a reset i um, during what the trick with a reset is that you, like the, the best teams are able to do it while still picking up the points that they need so that they're still where they need to be at the end of the season and and next season. Mm. And I think what we're seeing is that this reset that this monster group is not good enough to reset and still p- and pick up the points right now. Um I think Munster are in, are in danger of missing out in the Champions Cup next year. I think they're in danger of missing out on the on the on the playoffs. Are they good enough to pick up the results that they need to get there? Sure, they've got good players. I believe that these are good coaches. I think that ultimately these coaches will get it right with this with, with a team. But this may be what they need. They, they they Maybe they need a clear out. We saw an 18-year-old make his debut for the last six or seven minutes of the game and make an unbelievable impact. We saw a 19-year-old come on and make a really, really big impact. We see that Munster players doing really well in the Emerging Ireland Tour for what that tour is worth. We saw what happened in Coventry last year when they went over to Wasps without most of their front first team squad and produced an excellent performance there are players coming through at Munster maybe they need a year in the Challenge Cup You know, maybe they need a year where the URC is their, is their priority so that they get get it right for those 18 games and, and qualify for the playoffs and then they're seeded for Europe the following year we, ex- we still hold 2006-2008 expectations for a province that hasn't really performed barring a couple of good runs in the European Cup consistently since 2011 you know, they haven't won anything in, in, in 11 years so we're holding to a standard that's possibly not fair on them and maybe the players that have been there who I've criticised over the years have done well to keep them getting to semi-finals and, and finals along yeah. the way yeah. but Munster have fallen behind Ulster they're way behind Leinster they're not even comparable anymore um, It's it's it needs a reset. It needs these players to be brought through and may and, and it's very difficult to do that because of the pressure that's on them, because of the brand that they are. When they're on RT, people will will watch them because they are Munster. We will talk about them because they are Munster. They are the biggest brand below Ireland in Irish rugby and they that's they they carry that with them. That's why they sell season tickets and all those sort of things. It's it's a difficult thing to do. Prendergast Mike Prendergast was up yesterday, he's a very impressive coach. I, you hear excellent things about him he's trying to change the way they attack mm. but, they, but he's doing it in a team low on confidence it's a really difficult balance to strike
2: yeah all fair points 18 uh, year old Ruin Quinn Keith I understand he's from your neck of the woods I don't want to pile pressure on the young lad You just want to say congrats to him and obviously he's uh, very good if he's making his debut and becoming the youngest ever Munster player in the pro era
1: yeah Ruin is, is he's a cracking young fellow. he lives um, up on one of the hills in Killaloo here um,
2: did you teach him everything he
1: knows absolutely not i'd love to take credit for that ruin is entirely of his own making well he's one of five sons um of of a friend of mine so there's a lot of competition in that house but um uh, he plays he plays with an infectious um air to him you know he wants the ball he wants to have a go he wants to have a cut but um like he's been like that pretty much all his life if we're if we're honest and um, like when you think about it it's only a couple of months ago he 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 got his leaving search results um, he, he won the senior cup with uh, Crescent Camp um, he was astounding actually uh, during that run I, I look, saw some of those games um, and uh, which was very interesting within the final he wasn't the best player in the final because he had about five different people trying to mark him but other players were able to shine and and um, look, he's, he, he's, he's very young and um, I would want uh, some level of caution to see him because you'd like to fast track a guy who's 18 years of age in when he's able to have the performance and the cameo of the seven minutes that he had the other day. Um, but you do have to remember he's 18 years of age. He needs to make certain that he does enough of body of work so that he can protect himself. And uh, I th- actually think Munster have been minding him very well. I know they gave him a start. Um, uh, or, or have given him a couple of matches but um, I think we'll see him only in, in parts during the year because I think there's that duty of care to him And uh, but he's an unbelievable prospect he really is a cracking young player
2: and uh, to my question which was to be fair a little deliberately inflammatory about the quality of uh, player at Munster like there's a lot of good players clearly but uh, what, like if you put your finger on what's going wrong what, like what is the issue
1: um, I think there's a change in uh, there is a change in philosophy and I know people kind of kind of throw their eyes up for that because Graham Rountree was there um, for the last number of years, but he now is in the mantle as head coach. He has brought in different guys who want to attack in a different way. He wants them to be um, from what I know, he wants them to be um, a lot more mobile, a lot fitter. There's a lot of that's been pushed. Um, I don't agree with Rory's view that they won't get to the knockout stages. I actually think um, they will get their act together after a period of time. I do think that they may be shy a couple of players. um, They could really do with, um, with Snyman getting back into play. They could do with having all their players around at once and fresh and having played a bit of uh, rugby i think if we look at any time in the last number of years munster played well when they had a full team there and i know we talk about the wasps game as an outlier but if you take that aside you would want them to play very well in a lot of the matches now they still weren't good enough in some of the really big matches um but and i think that's what Roundtree and his team are trying to do is to try and build out the skill set for them to be better and they're struggling with it at the moment I think that's yeah. fairly um, open to see it hasn't worked and we know it hasn't because the ball's going to ground too often um, and you often know it when you're trying to change things some of the things that you did really well in the past are forgotten and there's a bit of that at the moment so like I'm still expecting every now and then it's not to bring it back to the, to the glory days of 06 and 08 that's not the 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 Um, The line that Munster are trying to get to, it's trying to get to the point of where their level of performance is something that people can support and be very happy with. Mm, At the present moment in time, we're not seeing that too much because there's too many errors in it. So I wouldn't fault their effort. Um, I wouldn't fault their attitude. Um, I do think it's taking a bit of time and I think we do need to have an element of patience. And I would say the same, by the way, when we start talking about Connacht, who don't have the same resources, um, when you take two or three players from Connacht, they can be a little bit um, destabilised. Mm. Now I mean I think that's just the nature of it. I I do think that I think both those teams in particular need to have as full of squads as they possibly can, and then decide what they pick. When decisions are made for players that haven't been back or haven't played for a while, I think they suffer a little bit.
2: Uh, last point, Rory. So Connacht often look at Munster at home and lick their lips a little bit and fancy getting stuck into them. Of late, how's it going to go? Do you think? If Connacht can
0: cut their cut out their silly penalties, I just uh, the URC sent an email today. They've conceded forty four penalties so far this season, which is fourteen point seven per match, which is just uh, too many. Yeah. You know, if they if they can get their discipline right, if they can get the emotional pitch right, if Jack Carty's back at number ten, which we'll find out tomorrow if he if he is. They can pick this off. Munster went down there and did a quite a professional job last year. They're all they're often very tempestuous, mm. not very pretty games. Um, the new pitch will play it will be interesting to see how it, it, it impacts on it, whether Connick can play faster on it. Um, Which is kind my, of Connacht's Mo, you know. My hunch is that Munster are, are, are I think, a better team than Connacht. and will finish higher in the table. And, yeah. and you know, you put them into a, you know, a random pitch in the middle of nowhere and let them play against each other. I think Munster win the game. I think tomorrow night, considering they've no points from fifteen, there's a there's there's a, a major um, motivation there for Connacht to, on their first home game of the season to get a performance and to get the win. But it's not guaranteed based on what they've produced this season. They haven't been very impressive in what they've done so far no, Munster haven't either but Munster do have the kind of better collection of players and they have that win under their belt it's hard to call I think possibly Connacht will edge it largely based on home advantage and, and the, all that goes with it but uh, I wouldn't be throwing any money on it
2: Yeah it's going to be an interesting game our rugby coverage and off the ball is with Vodafone main sponsor of the Irish rugby team we all belong to the team of us Keith in uh, 15 seconds who do you fancy Friday? Uh,
1: Shall so we'll the click um, and I think that uh, more players with more matches under their belt, I think they'll get it moved on a little bit. Um, I'd say they're driving themselves mad with the drop passes and yeah. the lack of, uh, or the, the turnovers that are going against them at rook time. So, so I think it'll be a much sharper performance.
2: Okay. Now, if we're still 10 games into the season and it's not clicking, it, it, you're not going to tell me it's rust then, right?
1: Um, that's corrosion maybe
2: (laughs) (laughs) very good okay Keith Wood thank you Roy O'Connor of the Irish Independent thanks very much cheers Wednesday Night Rugby on Off The Ball with Vodafone main sponsor of the Irish Rugby Team we all belong to the team of us